0: This is the MLW Radio Network.
1: All right, guys, Mike Freeland here from Front Row Material. Hope everyone is having a great weekend. With this being WrestleMania weekend, I decided that I wanted to do something a little extra special for everybody and kind of give you a WrestleMania edition front row material. Now, there is no Mikey and Jerry, but the person joining me is a music producer, a podcast producer, and a well-known podcast host. His name is Matt Coon. So earlier on today, we had a chance to sit down and talk some wrestling, talk WrestleMania, AEW, and everything else under the sun, including a little bit of the Tiger King. So hope you guys enjoy it. So let's go ahead and let's throw it to the interview I had with Matt Coon. I am being joined this week by a special guest, Matt Kuhn, who you've probably heard his name a plethora of times within the wrestling world and the podcasting world. Matt, thanks so much for carving out some time for us today, buddy.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, you know, it's it's a big downgrade, I gotta tell you, to go from Jerry and Mikey <laughs> to Matt Kuhn, to go from like real, real wrestling people to a fan. And, you know, I think that gets lost sometimes. I know it's something Conrad said a lot. He's just a fan. And for me, of course, he's promoted StarCast and other things. For me, I don't think I've ever done anything that I would ever consider Evolutes evolves me, raises me up the standard of being just a fan. So hopefully we can connect with other fans and kind of give them some thoughts to think about and just come from a fan's fans viewpoint.
1: No, I agree with you 100%. So, as you all know, it is WrestleMania weekend, and I know it's a very polarizing topic when you bring it up to wrestling fans. You know, are you excited? Are you not excited? Uh, does the fact that it's it's not in front of an audience affect you? Does it not affect you? I, I have so many mixed feelings on this, but I got a bunch of questions I want to get your opinion here. So let's start off right off the bat. There was some news that was speculating online that Brock Lesnar and Vince McMahon uh, had a conversation, and it might not have gone exactly the way the chairman had wanted it to go. Did you hear anything about this?
0: No, I, I, I've heard some things. That I've heard some things like maybe he's gone after WrestleMania, but I mean, it, we've heard those things before. And I think one thing we've learned about Brock and Vince's dealings with each other is that usually they can put money above all. Like usually, Vince really. Uh, prizes, values, Brock Lesnar above all else. And Brock Lesnar can be bought for a price and also if the conditions are right as far as how much free time he gets, how many days he works. So I wouldn't um, be too concerned about that except for the one caveat being that this might be a time to cut costs in the WWE. Um, if, if it is truly time to cut costs, then maybe it is time for
1: Brock to go. But I have not heard those rumors uh, firmly, though. And like you said before, it, it's interesting because, you know, a lot of things fly out there online, whether or not it's true, whether it's not, whether it's rumor. Um, but it's very interesting to know that what do the wrestlers actually feel as far as this is concerned? Do they feel like if they were to speak up that maybe their their job or their big potential push could be delayed? What's your take on that? How much leeway do you think some of these guys have when it comes to speaking their mind and being vocal about a certain issue like Uh, A coronavirus. They've got
0: none. I mean, you know, I mean, it's the WWE. They run a tight ship. You want this. You want one voice coming out of the organization. You don't want all these different voices coming out, saying different things. Um, You know, if someone I I believe if someone felt really strongly, they didn't want to do it. They wouldn't have to do it. Um, I know some people with, you know, Roman Reigns, for example, has a compromised immune system. So I think he felt uncomfortable. He didn't do it. And then also they uh, pulled a couple other, you know, The Miz, it was just announced, The Miz is not wrestling. Um, It's going to be a a three-way non-tag team match for ladder match for the SmackDown tag team titles, which is, you know, weird. But um, so I I think if you really don't want to do it, you don't have to do it. Like there's a couple that really didn't want to do it who didn't go to Saudi Arabia, you know, Daniel Bryan, John Cena, Kevin Owens, a couple others. Um, But I think as far as speaking out, I think that would probably be not something that would
1: happen I was just about to say I know we, we just kind of touched upon the Saudi Arabia situation and it is a voluntary thing but I feel like it's one of those things where when you're at work your boss says hey we'd we'd like for people to participate in overtime and you know that you're in a meeting and it's voluntary and right. other people volunteer but you don't <laughs> and they kind of come up to you so it's yeah it's
0: right it's it's a, it's, a, it's a work on Saturday uh, phenomenon you know uh, can you work on on saturday no well i guess matt's not a team player exactly type deal. but you know that's a job though man like that's a job and and i'm not taking the side of anybody on this. i'm just saying most of us in those situations don't have the leverage to tell our bosses to um you know say no to them and say we cannot work in this situation we saw a situation that happened recently outside of wrestling where a commander of a ship, the most well-known commander of the most well-known ship in the Navy, was relieved of that duty for speaking out publicly about coronavirus. So um, I would say that Vince runs his organization a bit like the military. (laughs) And um, I want to say that it's out of character, and I, I don't know about how unfair it is when you compare it to other people being forced to come into jobs at grocery stores and other things like that.
1: You bring up a really good point. We do want to make sure – and we've said this before on, on Front Row Material that we appreciate everybody who's out there, everybody working in the pharmacies, the drive throughs the grocery store people, everyone who is out there making sure that we can stay safe. And that is a huge thing, and uh, we just appreciate everybody who puts oh, the time sure. and the effort, and they're putting their health on the line. And keep working
0: and because you guys are also keeping the economy afloat right now. So um, we Absolutely. appreciate you all for so many reasons. I'm able to keep working because I'm my own boss. I can do my music lessons from home. By the way, if you need music lessons, hit me up on Twitter. I've been doing it for a long time. I'm pretty good at it. Uh, You'll see if you want to do it. But uh, a lot of people don't have jobs. A lot of my customers have to stop taking lessons because they have no income coming in. And so uh, we appreciate you all out there. who are still
1: working. I couldn't agree more. Kind of moving on here, there was a uh, controversial John Cena interview that was posted on to WWE.com. I'm not sure, Matt, have you had a chance to view that, or have you heard about the rumor about that one?
0: No, I haven't heard of a Cena interview except the one he just did on Corey Graves, which I thought was a really good interview on the Corey Graves podcast.
1: What had happened, this was a WWE.com exclusive, and he basically was talking about his match upcoming with uh, with the fiend Bray Wyatt, and They were asking him if he felt scared or intimidated or what to expect. And he basically said uh, in a very nonchalant way, you know, I'm not Bray Wyatt is uh, the fiend is, is basically just Husky Harris with a mask on. And it kind of rubbed a lot of people the wrong way on social media and WWE did end up taking it down. Let me ask you this question in the modern day where we see people shooting on each other and making it more realistic based. Do you feel like this was okay for him to do, or do you feel like, "Eh, you know what, probably shouldn't have gone there? John
0: Cena's not stupid. John Cena's no dummy. And I'm sure, you know, you learn so much when you're, you know, I say I'm just a fan, but people that I talk to on the regular are in the company, whether it be with NXT, whether it be with WWE, whether it be with AEW. And so you kind of learn certain things about, you know, when you start using terms like shoot and work and John Cena's no dummy. To me, just from someone that knows wrestling, if I imagine this story taking place in a, a group of wrestlers, they would probably laugh and go, well, that's because Bray's gonna just beat him. You know, that just makes perfect sense. You know, you lower the expectations, and then when Bray beats him, which he should definitely beat him, um, then it then it it it's made part of the plot. John Cena is playing a role. He's never C never steps out. John Cena never steps out of company line, never steps out of character, knows what he's doing. He's he really knows what he's doing now. Uh, just gets better with age. So I imagine it was something that was premeditated, something that was purposeful. And it was to create, you know, a, a circumstance where John Cena um, loses or acts scared or any of those other things to be a juxtaposition to his interview.
1: No, no, I agree 100% with this. I mean, once again, John's not the type of guy who, from everything we've heard of, and and like you said before, what you've heard of, that is going to go uh, rogue and is going to do something that is not uh, right for what's best for the company. It's just not in his character. He doesn't do that kind of thing. And I think for them to take it off the website, that was intentional. They wanted to make it seem like he said something he shouldn't have. Once again, you're trying to build interest in a product that – this year needs the most interest more than anything, and especially WrestleMania, especially with getting eyeballs to the network itself. So I think this was this was contrived. This was meant to happen. And everybody who's getting upset, just relax. And remember, everything in wrestling is always a work
0: and and make a list of the people who are going to speak out of school. Make a list out of them. And the very bottom of that list will be John Cena,
1: you know. Let me ask you about this question as well, the interest in WrestleMania. I know you and I, before we we started recording today, we kind of talked a little bit about that as far as, you know, the average fan that we we consider ourselves to be fans. Do you feel like, take the empty arena situation away, take the corona uh, situation out of it, did you feel like the card itself would have been something that would have garnered a great deal of interest from you, or do you feel like maybe not? I think
0: you know it's one of the, it's a natural evolution in the cards for Mania and other things where we focus on uh, right or wrong we focus on matchups versus build ups right it's like ooh AJ and Taker how do we make that happen you know um you know matchups Cena and Wyatt how do we make that happen Reigns and and uh, Goldberg which isn't happening but how do how do we make that happen as opposed to you know kind of really building these things up where the fans want to see the match. You know, you ideally you would want to have fans clamoring for the matchup before it actually happens, or before it's actually made. And nowadays we see the match made and then the build-up happens after that. And I think that's happening more and more. And that leads to a less and less of a general interest. You know, if you're taking Corona out of it, you're taking the audience out of it. I think when you take the corona in it and you take the audience in it, I think we're probably in a break even situation now where there it's we might have increased viewership. Um, because there's nothing else going on. There's nothing else going on. So, like, if there's not increased viewership, there's an issue.
1: We've seen in recent months uh, on Wednesday nights AEW and NXT going at it back and forth, and and it's been a pretty lopsided scoreboard. Um, I mean, if you're scoreboard watching, and some people say "Eh, it's it's kind of a bad thing to do to scoreboard watch, especially in the situation we're in right now. But let me ask you this question. Do you feel like that AEW and I mean I feel like it I feel like they have a lot of momentum going for them right now and I feel like the narrative that oh AEW has superstars and NXT is kind of developmental really isn't a fair argument I feel like NXT is extremely strong I feel like they have great talent so do you think this whole pros versus amateurs really is is gone by the wayside as far as the ratings are concerned?
0: No, I think, I, I, yeah, I don't think that's as much an issue. And, you know, I've had feedback from someone who's become a friend who, who is down there um, in, in the uh, developmental and someone who had took liberty with some stuff I said about NXT. But the, the issue is, is that AEW is just a better show than NXT. That's it. It's just a better show. Like, you can say all you want, you need superstars, you know, you need, you know, there, there are people that are potentially huge superstars in NXT, Keith Lee and Adam Cole and and Velveteen Dream, you know, but it's just a better show. Like, give me a better show. I haven't felt the need to watch NXT in a while. Like, I don't really watch it at all. Um, and and I, I'm a longtime NXT fan. So, the weekly, I think... Comparing it to AEW, which is putting all their eggs in a basket and trying to produce the best possible show they can, you know, that's probably the biggest reason for
1: it doing better in the ratings. What's your take on the situation where, from once again, I've heard this, that after WrestleMania, WWE only has the following week that's in the can, meaning a Raw, a SmackDown, and an NXT. And at that point in time, we've heard some of the wrestlers from WWE talk about maybe teasing going dark for a while. Now, also, we found out that AEW had done some filming this past week before the uh, uh, quarantine lockdown went down in the state of Georgia. They allegedly have over a month's worth of television programming already in the can to kind of wade this thing out. Uh, before things go back to normal do you think wwe is at the point where hey we only had so much programming we're out and do you think there's a chance that they may go dark
0: i don't think they'll go dark and i think i think they have some i mean we saw this really fantastic angle versus michaels uh documentary on uh the network and i think man put those producers to work on raw and smackdown the next couple weeks or the next couple months like If you gave me an hour special on who Zack Ryder really really was, for instance, you know, or you give me an hour long special on the history of Roman Reigns and the fans or something, man, they have enough material. They can make really good uh, documentaries. They can really good character profiles to keep people in the minds of people, you know, and, and even live interviews with them where they say, I can't wait to come back. So I don't think they'll go dark. They can't because the TV contracts. With AEW doing the, the um, taping ahead of time, I think it's indicative of, of the differences in the two companies where Vince has worked, and it's worked for him. He flies by the seat of his pants. He makes changes last minute. He makes changes, you know, uh, the day of and he doesn't necessarily have a solid huge long-term plan because that's not how he's comfortable where Khan and AEW will stick to a plan even if it's not in their best interest like when they had the Dark Order close out AEW uh, huge but there's no big debut which was kind of probably the plan that day so it's kind of indicative of the different style so you have long-term planning by AEW which is going to work out great for them and then you have flying by the seat of the pants, which could result in a failure or could result in just brilliance. You
1: don't know. We've heard Bruce talk about this before on his podcast, but he had mentioned that Vince would have a book and obviously he would be able to flip through a certain page and put his finger on it and and give more reassurance to uh, a wrestler who was kind of stuck in a quandary in the present moment. When do you think that that really changed from, Hey, I have a diary that's going to be a year plus out to the now Uh, way he does things where it's week by week, even literally almost hour by hour where, you know, he may go ahead and tell the writing team, nope, start from scratch and let's do this all over again.
0: I think, you know, things changed, um, when he got Vince Russo and, and, and Ferrara and the reliance on the writers starting to rely on other people, um, in, in those years. And when Vince left, you know, he didn't want to rely on one person. So he brought in a team, so it, bit by bit by bit i think it's got along from his personal long term vision as opposed to maybe he has a loose idea and other people's ideas where you know he's focused on this billion dollar business now i'm not sure he's focused on the day to day creativity the way he was pre russo
1: Kind of speaking of Vince McMahon here still, um, I know you've seen it, the uh, the Brody Lee segments that have aired on AEW Dynamite, which, you know what, I am not in the inner circle, no pun intended, but I, I've just heard on the peripheral some of these uh, McMahon-isms as far as eating, sneezing, coughing, etc. What are your thoughts on the segments themselves? Do you think they're funny, or do you think uh, we, we should probably leave this alone?
0: I think I can – uh, answer both to that i think i can say yes to both things i think the segments are good uh, AEW typically does really good segments like they really do good vignettes and they do segments generally speaking with some exceptions um, at the same time when you start going into the, like the bashing vents thing you know it, i'm not sure the point you know I, I first of all i think when tna used to do it with Voodoo Kid Mafia and other stuff they used to do, which is just really pointed attacks at Vince, I just, you know, number two doesn't talk about number one. You know, I just think, and AEW is not number one, but I think they need to present themselves as number one. So if I were advising Tony Khan, which I'm not, um, I would say, hey, let's get away from that. I think it makes them look less than, and I think it defines them down in a way that they don't need to be.
1: Do you think, in your opinion, I've thought about this for a while, and and this may be absolutely premature, and and by all means let me know if if I am kind of going down the rabbit hole too far, but do you think that AEW could do to WWE what Bischoff fell short of doing to WWE, meaning become top dog at some point? Not necessarily putting a time frame on this, but do you think that they could become and overcome the, uh, the WWE empire?
0: It could happen. It's very unlikely because of the foothold WWE has. You know, I thought that AEW would be a little bit more ahead of the game ratings-wise than they are now. I, I really expected them to exceed expectations, and right now they've exceeded them uh, or exceed expectations to a greater degree than they have. I think they've exceeded a lot of people's expectations, certainly people in television, certainly people in wrestling. Certainly anybody who follows wrestling has seen this company get become profitable in a very short time um i wouldn't count them out of anything but that's a long battle to compete with a billion dollar corporation it's a very long battle but i think something that needs shouldn't be um ignored is, is that this is the time like right now is an opportunity for somebody like because of what's going on i think it could very well be wrestlemania i think wrestlemania if it's going to be pulled off really well it could be just a turning point where it reestablishes fans and it, it it garners more goodwill and it presents themselves as these are the guys. Or if WrestleMania is a big WTF and AEW's tapings are on fire and really good, then it could be a good opportunity for them. But it's an opportunity for somebody.
1: Yeah, no, without a doubt. And I feel like it's interesting here because, you know, we, we talk about as far as wrestling goes AEW, WWE, but, but NWA was, was doing some really great stuff as well, and, and Ring of Honor and MLW was doing some really good stuff as well. Do you think at some point in time that one of these companies as well is going to potentially land a, you know, a, a television deal with a bigger platform just so more audiences can be aware of who they are and maybe put them in some level of a, of a contention? Or do you think, unfortunately, it'll most likely just be these two?
0: Well, if you look at the history of how AEW did it, uh, they were big-time disruptors. They, they weren't just like, you know, an organization with some with some hype or some buzz, or even an organization that people respected that people rooted for. They were an organization that made a difference uh, in in a lot of people's uh, minds, negative and positive. But they got people's attention. And to that end, if you're going to hire a wrestling company to be on your TV station, I'm guessing you're probably going to look at the success of AEW. And if AEW is breaking records and if they're going to be like, you know, doubling their ratings in the next year or so, I would expect there to be more opportunities for other wrestling companies. But if they're hanging around that 1 million mark a year from now, I wouldn't think it would be a good investment from a TV company to say, "Oh, here's the interest." You know, just looking at the pure metrics of it. As a wrestling fan, sure, I want to see all these companies be successful, get all the opportunities, get all this talent on nationwide TV, but right now, I'm not seeing that the interest is there on a nationwide level.
1: Let me ask you this question. You know, obviously we saw John Moxley uh, appear in AEW after a tumultuous relationship, especially towards the end with WWE. Do you feel like he looks like he's happier where he is right now? And do you feel like he may, in some ways, thrive and be more successful in AEW than he did in his WWE run? Yeah, I think we've already
0: seen that. I think he seems unfettered. I don't know what John Moxley looks like when he's happy, but I will say that from everything <laughs> I've heard and read, That, you know, when you're a creative person like myself, I was pretty creatively fulfilled this week. I got to do some fun stuff for the Tony Schiavone show and I got to do some creative stuff. And then you get the feedback on it. Oh, that's really good. If if I'm not allowed to be creative, I'm not really interested. And that's just to my detriment financially sometimes, you know. And um, I imagine and I've heard from Moxley, he's passionate. He's talking about creativity and creative things. And it sounds like he's doing the things he wanted he wanted to do. Plus, you know, he's got the big belt. So um, big silver, big platinum, whatever they call it. Um, He's got that now. So I'm sure that makes him happy as well.
1: Always the conversation about uh, the goat comes around. And every time you you hear that conversation, some people say, you know, Flair is is, is a big name that comes to mind. Some people say Cena. Some people say Hogan, Triple H, whatever you want to say. Do you feel like, and a lot of people have said this to me privately, that they put Jericho now in that conversation Now, I guess my question to you would be, do you put him in that conversation because of what he has done recently with New Japan, what he's done with reshaping his character and evolving and what he's done with AEW, or do you think that Jericho was in that conversation even prior to all of this?
0: I think him being with AEW and going to the Japan stuff is what put him in that conversation. I, I don't know if his WWE run enough breaks him onto that. You know, like, if you look at the tiers of... Mount Rushmore, so, you know, if you say, okay, well, definitely, how do you knock off Hogan, Austin, Rock, you know, Flair off the first one or, you know, John Cena and Undertaker and Shawn Michaels and, you know, where is Jericho in that conversation? He's definitely kind of hitting that cusp of the second tier. Um, I don't know if he'd replace any of the names I just said, but I think it has a lot to do with what he's doing now, but he's not done is the point. And if he is able to keep doing what he's done the last couple of years, then he might get in that conversation for that first year.
1: I've always been a big believer that, obviously, it probably was never in the plans long-term to have Jericho as the champion. It was originally to attract eyeballs and help build name recognition for the company, and then all of a sudden when things start getting hot, boom, pass the hot potato to somebody who's younger, who you see being more of the future of the company. Would you agree that regardless of whether Jericho has the championship or not, I still feel like he is their centerpiece just because he's so entertaining with those segments that he does, not only from his home, but what he is now doing uh, with Matt Hardy. He's just, he's a very entertaining character with or without a championship.
0: Yeah, there's that old theory, you know, the the belt, uh, the man makes the belt, not the belt makes the man, you know, and, and there's also the theory that once you get to a certain point, you don't need the belt anymore, and that's become true with people like The Undertaker and John Cena and Triple H over the years, Mick Foley, The Rock, Austin, where, you know, their presence is bigger than the belt, so let's use the belt to give someone else a little bit of shine and keep, uh, we, we don't, you know, Jericho doesn't need the belt, you know, I think they probably should have kept the pelt on him a little bit longer. Um, I think they should have built it around with him being this unbeatable guy because of his posse. But I also think that they want to make John Moxley happy. And I think uh, getting this championship goes a lot to show John Moxley that they're serious about him for
1: their future. One of the last few things I want to ask you here before we let you go is, you know, I've started thinking about this a lot more, and it feels like it's part of the wrestling culture now. It feels like it's part of its DNA. You know, we talk about Major League Baseball and the NFL and free agency, and everyone seems to know when contracts are up, when contract negotiations are starting. Matt, do you feel like that's kind of happening now with wrestling? People are paying more attention to when someone's contract is going to end, Are they re-signing? I mean, obviously, the advent of social media has definitely kind of perpetuated that interest level because, you know, superstars are talking online, they're interacting with fans, but I'm excited when it comes to free agency time. Do you think that that's something that should be talked about, or do you think the superstar should kind of keep that more tight-lipped?
0: If if there were more companies vying for the same talent, it would make more sense for it to be more public because, you know, people want to get that information, to leverage other people. Right now, um, I think it's fun. You know, I think it's fun to know. You know, we didn't know before. You know, I mean, Meltzer may have known and reported in the Observer. I wasn't reading it then. But it's fun for us to know now and fun for us to kind of prognosticate and go, is he going here? Is he going here? Like, I remember I used to get really excited about the trade deadline for the NBA. You know, and you, you'd imagine all these great moves happening. You know, and once, once every few years, there'd be a blockbuster year. And it's always exciting in wrestling to get a jump, to get someone to jump But, um, you know, for myself as a fan, I guess I would rather be surprised. But as someone who's kind of knee-deep in the wrestling world, um, I can't help myself but to try to find out because it is interesting and it's fun to guess.
1: I found it interesting when it was Marty Skrull, the whole situation with that, because so many people thought he would join AEW. And then it was, oh, he's showing up on NWA. Oh, what's going to happen? Oh, now he's renegotiating with Ring of Honor. Do you think that... I mean, obviously that was intentionally done, A, to throw people off, but just kind of keep the Marty Skrull name out there as long as possible in the in the forefront because he is a big draw for any company he chooses to work with. I've heard that he's got uh, the control of the book over in uh, Ring of Honor. You think that's a good idea right now? Or do you think that making somebody a manager-slash-player probably isn't the best idea? I
0: mean, if anybody should do it, it's Ring of Honor. You know, I've heard good things about Marty Skrull's creativity. Um, there was a bidding war to get him, and obviously it was something he wanted. And uh, Ring of Honor was not in a position where they could let a talent like Marty Skrull go, who would be a difference maker, I think. Marty Skrull would be a difference maker in AEW, for, for sure, and also NXT. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the, of course, the, the argument of that is that it's never been done well. You know, it's never been done well where someone is a wrestler and has is able to book the matches and has not booked himself on top. Like it's from Dusty Rhodes to Kevin Nash to whoever you can think of to Vince Russo, you know, you tend to Eric Bischoff, when you're power, you tend to put yourself on camera in a big way.
1: No, I agree with you on that one. On a completely flip side here, let me ask you this. Everybody's buzzing about the Tiger King. Um, first question, have you gotten to see it? And if you have, what are your thoughts? Oh, I love the Tiger
0: King. Uh, I love it <laughs> so much. It's my favorite show I've ever seen in my life. It is, it is also a cinematic masterpiece where every episode, the onion just peels. Like they don't give you everything. The first episode, you know, by the end of that first episode, they're like, Oh, and by the way, you know, he's married to two other dudes. You're like, okay, well, okay, that's, that's something. And then the the second one, in the second one, you find out about doc Manlow has got like 90 wives or whatever. And then it's like, oh, and Carol Baskin may have killed her husband, you know? And that's the end of the next one. It's a really, it's a, and there's almost too much to talk about in it. And I have to admit, I've seen it twice. Um, I just think wow. it's fascinating. And the characters involved, um, every, even the smallest bit players from the um, kind of um, masculine female district attorney to the very sensationalistic reporter. To on down, I think, is it just, uh, just a whole crew of fascinating people.
1: Yeah, no, I'm with you on that one. But I tweeted this out yesterday that there's another documentary that was made. Um, it was on YouTube as well about the Tiger King. And it wasn't obviously titled that, but it, it's it was filmed right around the same time because obviously they covered the same topics. But it wasn't as sensational as the Netflix one. So I don't know. To me, it just kind of begs the question – Was there a little bit of Hollywood that was thrown into that to make it a little bit more sensational, or was that literally exactly reality TV? I mean, what you see is what you get.
0: Well, reality TV is almost never reality TV. Like I know someone who did a Food Network cooking show, and he was telling me about how it was all a work, you know, about who wins and who's picked and all this stuff. Um, But man, whatever they did, it works. So I don't care. Like, just keep bringing it. (laughs) Keep bringing it. Give me more of that. I need. Because I believed every damn thing I saw. I got to tell you, every single, <laughs> everything I saw looked very genuine, incredible. And it was, you know, there's people in jail and, you know, the dude with no legs, with the, <laughs> with the graphic fake legs and the guy on the jet ski. And just, it just, oh, that, uh, it just, it's fantastic. It's the Carol Baskins, her husband, who seems just to be the strangest fella on the planet Earth. And, yes. and then Joe and his, you know, and everybody seems to walk with a limp, which I think is kind of weird too, <laughs> I'm not sure what that is, you know? And then like this undercurrent of at the end, they're like, oh yeah, they were probably doing meth the whole time. So you're like, oh, okay, well, there you go. That's, wow. that's, that's an interesting. Uh, you know, uh, you know, so I, I just, whatever, man, just give me more of the Tiger King. That's what I want.
1: So if you were to draw sides, and, and obviously you don't have to, but if you were, are you on Joe Exotic's side? Hey, the man's been set up. I mean, he was a little naive, whatever. Don't really think he's a bad dude. Or do you think, no, this dude was bad. He did do a murder for hire. He should be paying his penance right now. Which one do you think? Which side do you fall on more likely? So if we're just talking about Joe himself. Joe you know, himself. Should Joe be serving 22 years in a federal prison? Probably not. However, it is Joe's fault.
0: You know, you can't go around threatening people with guns and making dummies of people and shooting them in the head and say, you're going to kill people. You can't, you can't just do that. Like you're opening yourself up to what happened to him. You know, he's, he's not the brightest fella, you know, so he might've been set up, but he also might've been easy to set up because if he had an opportunity to kill her, he's like, well, maybe I will, you know, um, it's not like he didn't want to kill her. It's not like his anger was fake. You know, so should he be doing 22 years? Was he set up by some bad dudes? Uh, probably not 22 years. Probably was set up by bad dudes. Did he make it very easy to be set up in this world where we are totally accountable for our own actions and everything that happens to us is on us? Yeah, man, it's on you, Joe. You got to freaking do your time. You, you're you're the guy who got caught because you couldn't keep your mouth shut and you can keep your emotions in check.
1: I was just about to say what you just you hit upon, which was was 100% where I'm coming from. You, you don't want to have the picture of someone's head. You print it out and put it in a pickle jar with brine and say, you know, by the time this is all said and done, this is where your head will be. Or have effigies of people where you're taking semi-automatic weapons outside. Like I feel like you can have a disdain for somebody, and I think a lot of people dislike a lot of people. But at the end of the day, you have to curb that to a certain degree because when the jury sees that. They're going to forget everything else that could point to you being, you know, exonerated from this. And they're going to say, no, this guy definitely had a loose wire. I definitely think that he was probably planning on doing this. So in the end of the day, I agree with you. Joe is his worst enemy.
0: I was talking to my son about this because he was saying, you know, everything he's saying is right. Like this woman went around closing down his his cub petting situation when – Uh, I can't believe we're talking about this. And but at the same time, she's doing the same thing. She has a freaking zoo. She, you know, she's being a hypocrite. And I'm like, and my, my son's like, yeah, that's not right, you know. And I'm like, yeah, but you know what? Sometimes you can be so wrong. Sometimes you can be so right that you're wrong. And that's, you know, I've done it where I've gotten so indignant and picked that hill to die on and just gone overboard with my anger. And, you know, I think we've all done it. Those of us who have those righteous tendencies in ourselves you know and I think with Joe he just became so right on the initial situation that he became wrong you know if you're if someone cheats on you if you're in a relationship and someone cheats on you that's wrong but you can't get so angry you shoot that person you know right and you know you can become so right that you're wrong and I think that's what Joe did
1: yeah, I agree with you. What What is Matt Kuhn doing when he's not uh, teaching music, recording music, being involved in the wrestling business? What are you doing? Uh, is there any shows you like to watch? Anything on Netflix? Anything that you highly recommend people check out? No, you know
0: I, one thing I've learned about myself in the last few years is I really have no depth as a human being. Um, I don't <laughs> at all. Like that's literally it. And if I'm not doing those things, I'm just like twiddling my thumbs. Like, you know, I produce podcasts. Um, I'm lucky to work on some of the greatest podcasts in the world, um, or in the wrestling world, and I would say the world. And I'm, you know, being paid to make music for people that will be coming out at some point. And I have my business where I'm – now that I had to let a couple employees – There were teenagers, but I had to let them go um, for the time being and take over all the lessons with, another, with my head teacher. So I'm doing like 65, 70 Skype lessons a week you know, um, which is just freaking draining as can be. And, um, you know, outside of that, there's really nothing to me. I don't, and of course, being a dad to my kid, that, those, that's it. There's really nothing else. Like, I don't, um, This 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 quarantine has been a very, very little change to my actual life
1: let me ask you this Uh, where can people find you I know you had mentioned at the top of the program where can people find you where can people get a hold of you to contact you because obviously this is going to end this craziness that that is our life right now being quarantined Um, music is a passion of just about everybody on the planet so how can people reach you how can they contact you and all that kind of stuff so when the timing is right they can go ahead and get in contact with Matt well as I hit a C major 7 chord on my piano um, I'll tell <laughs> you that
0: um, you know I do lessons I have openings for lessons if you find yourself with some extra time and you want to do online Skype lessons they've worked out really well I never did them before and they're fantastic you can reach out to me at uh, Matt Coon Music on Twitter or my email is matt at mattkuhn.com or if you're looking for a song if you want some music um, you can reach out to me at the same uh, those same. Contacts as well, Matt at Matt Coon via email, at Matt Coon Music uh, via Twitter. I'm still taking – I thought I was going to come back and do podcasting again. I did a couple episodes, but my heart is not into that until I come up with a better idea or an exciting opportunity. So I I would say there's a 100% chance I'll come back to podcasting, but probably not anytime
1: soon. Well, Matt, the day you do decide to come back to podcasting, please come on here and let all of our listeners know, because I can tell you right now, a lot of people are Matt Coon fans, including myself, widely successful podcaster. You got some great takes on some things obviously you, you've worked with a lot of legends inside the business and like you said before you're the producer of a lot of these big wrestling podcasts such as with Conrad as well so you definitely have your uh, your thumbprint on the business and I appreciate the fact that you've helped me in so many ways just by giving me advice and talking to me and, and all that kind of stuff so from all of us who uh, who are on the next tier thank you for uh, for taking time and helping us out
0: well that's, that's nice of you to say we're all in this together you know you you got a really cool thing going on with Jerry and Mikey, and um, I dig the show, and I appreciate you having me on, and looking forward to WrestleMania. Do me a favor and tell Mikey and Jerry I said hello, and I'll be uh, listening to the next time um, you guys, when you guys drop your next show as well
1: sounds good guys follow him at matt coon music that is on twitter give him a follow hit him up if you would like to go ahead and take music lessons He is one of the best in the business and a genuinely good dude matt thanks for making some time for us we'll talk to you down the road buddy absolutely right there it is my interview with matt coon hope you guys enjoyed it matt is a great great guy he's helped me out tremendously in the podcasting world go ahead and follow him on social media hit him up and you know what if you yourself don't need music lessons i'm sure you know someone who does go ahead and let him know that you heard the interview here on front row material with mike freeland and uh send some business his way he's a great great dude Guys, that's going to do it. I hope you guys enjoy WrestleMania or Tiger King or anything to that nature. Just stay safe. Enjoy yourselves. Be safe. Be careful. And always wash your hands. (laughs) We'll catch you next time. The world of NLW Radio never stops.